Thank you for joining me again here on Adulting With on the Beast Mode Kids podcast. I'm Patrick Davey, and today I have Executive Director of the Eau Claire Children's Museum with me, Micah McCorney. We had a great conversation just talking about the last 10 months of what happened to the Eau Claire Children's Museum, why they had to shut down, what happened when they reopened, and what made the biggest decision for them to be able to get the new Children's Museum that's going to be built by 2022 right now. At least that's the projected ways through there. But we also talk about you know the staff that he has and the, the, the different type of things that they've had to go through, and more importantly, even some of the staff giving back to the community of the Children's Museum to help them out as much as they can. Because not only is that an important important thing for all of their workers and everybody that's a part of that. But I also know that that Children's Museum is a huge part of Eau Claire and the Chippewa Valley. So the work that they are doing with all that is absolutely fantastic. And to listen and to hear Michael talk about all those things was a fantastic sit down for us. So ladies and gentlemen, Michael McGorney. All right. Well, we can just kind of, we'll just kind of roll right into it here. So, um, so I, I always like to start off with kind of a fun kind of question right off the bat there. My question to you here is that what is the best nickname that you have ever received by either a friend or family member? <laughs> uh, does it have to be appropriate or no? <laughs> it does not at all. This is a whole different month. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to share the one that I, I, uh, some of my friends would probably prefer, <laughs> Fair enough. To, but, okay. um, you know, I, I know, right. I just hard, I throw you a hard curveball yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. here. And the reason yeah. why I was, I was, whenever I'm doing all these questions, I think of like different conversations. Like if I was to ask this question, what do I have on the other side? So I, I think the story that a buddy of mine told me that he has a friend that they call hammer. That's his okay, name. Sure. His nickname is yeah. hammer. The guy nicknamed himself purely because he'd like to get hammered. Wow. That was it. That was it. And that was, I mean, that was college. That was college. That was yeah. 20 years ago. But to this day still, they call him Hammer. Yeah. So, you didn't have any like, yeah. you, young, young names or anything like that your parents used to call? You know, um, so kind of a funny, my, my brother um, from like day two was nicknamed Sparky. Um, okay. And so for whatever reason, I oftentimes was referred to as Little Sparky. Uh, cause he's eight years older than I am. Sure. Um, but some, you know, my friends also would call me that a little bit too, from time to time. So, um, so that's, that's probably, you know, it was kind of, I don't know. I looked up to my brother as I was growing up and, uh, kind of fun to, to be called that, I guess, from, from time to time. And he got that from my, uh, grandma because he was, um, I think crying a lot, uh, pretty, pretty boisterous right out the gate, uh, uh, two oh, days shit. after he was born and it stuck with him um sure. to this day he he tries to call himself mark but um you know all his friends don't don't let him forget and and they call him sparky but for whatever reason i've been called uh sparky a lot too by mistake um but also a uh, little sparky from time to time so does that is that still stick today yeah i have, that, that I have a good friend who will um every once in a while still still call me sparky or spark or whatever so that's spark plug i think he likes to sometimes say so every Uh, nickname 
can veer off. I have a friend named Anthony and, you know, it started off with Anthony, then to uh, Tony, then to Antoine, then to Twan, then to little T. I mean, it just literally just kind of snowballs all the way down (laughs) through there and stuff like that. But I mean, that's, that's here nor there. So, all right. So I don't know if you know this at all, but recently you were chosen um, by the Eau Claire hometown media for Eau Claire's person of the year. Did you hear about this? I did. Yes. Okay. <laughs> now it was obviously, it was a one person show Scott on uh, talk to the town. Pretty much that was his own thing that uh, he kind of, he kind of talked about all of the things and, and gave his reasons and purpose and decisions stuff like that. How honored were you by this fake award? You know um, it's not really, I'm not a uh, motivated by that sort of thing. So it's actually kind of difficult for me. I, um, yeah, someone had shared it with me. I hadn't heard about it right away, but then I, I listened to it and um, I, you know, certainly appreciate someone and anytime someone thinks um, you know, highly of you or, or your work or the organization with their work. And I, you know, appreciate that, but it, it's just not something I'm always uh, comfortable with. I, um, I was, I was raised by my parents um, to, um, and maybe it took me a long time to be this way because I don't think I was as a kid, but um, really that kind of intrinsic motivational factor. Um, and um, just, I, I was raised by two parents who were really humble, you know, and they just never really sought that they did a lot of good um, in people's lives, but just never um, sought that sort of a thing. And so it's actually something that makes me pretty uncomfortable, to be honest. I, uh, um, I'm just, I, I don't, um, I, you know, when I, when I was, um, um, in the, um, in college, I remember a professor telling me, um, you know, it, it'd be, uh, for him, the reason he kind of went into his field is because he developed a passion for what he was doing. And, you know, that was kind of the first, my first experience with someone really speaking about their passion. Um, and so I, you know, kind of learned from that and said, I, I really, you know, want to, um, I want to find something that I'm passionate doing. Um, and I didn't really know what that was that day or, you know, for several years after, but I have discovered it, you know, and, and I kind of found my calling to be, um, you know, what the work that I do, uh, really benefits others, not my own, um, interests or even my own, you know, pocketbook working in, in the nonprofit sector. I had no idea, at that time, you know, I kind of, I probably wrote off what he was saying is yeah, whatever. That's just kind of, you know, too good to be true type stuff, but, um, or cliche, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and that's why I do what I do is I, I just want to see other people succeed. That's what drives me. Um, and, and see, and, and doing work for on the behalf of, of others. Um, and I've just found that to be very, um, uh, rewarding. And, and so, um, you know, I think that partly kind of plays into it. Um, but I also, you know, I, I also, I grew up playing team sports and, um, you know, never played an individual sport. Um, and it, it takes a team of people to do things. Any, any success or failure is, is dependent on a team of, of people. It's not always just, you know, one person or one thing. And a couple of years ago, we were, um, you know, really trying to uh, do some new things in, in a, a new uh, year at the museum. And um, I had a quote in my office for that entire year that just said, it's amazing 
uh, when it can be what can be accomplished when it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And that's uh, I think it was Rolf, maybe Rolf Waldo Emerson that had that quote. But um, that's always been something that I've lived by. And um, you know, nothing that I've accomplished or done in my career um, or even in my personal life um, has not has been done without the help of others. And uh, that's you know, to me, I, I think sometimes those, uh, those uh, recognition pieces or awards or what have you get, um, you know, that's not why I do what I do. And it kind of, um, for a reason, it just makes me uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, um, you know, there's, there's just so many people doing good things, uh, but we're at the museum, we have a team of people um, and seeing what they've done over this past um, 10, 12 months, whatever it's been now with the pandemic is really inspiring to me. Um, you know, we had um, um, two employees donate back uh, on their own, uh, donate back their uh, pay. You know, we had, we had said uh, right at the onset that we would pay everybody what they were scheduled for, um, for, for part-time employees. So I think it was two weeks of pay and full-time employees was at least four weeks of pay before we made any decisions as to what we would have to do with, um, folks employment. Um, and two of them, two of our part-timers, um, you know, gave back and I think even gave more than what their, their paycheck was. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, we had another employee, we started this busy box program this year to try to create play for people at home. Um, and we had another employee on his own, um, um, give back um, or, or purchase a, a box for one of our other employees uh, who had been laid off a part-time employee um, and uh, for her and her five-year-old daughter um, and, and just saw all sorts of acts of selfness, selflessness like that. Um, and uh, you know, that's, that's just the, you know, for me, it's when you're surrounded by all these people um, I just never feel it's right to, to focus on the individual um success. It's, uh, it's really about um, a team of people, you know, and that's how anything I think worthy gets done is, is by having numerous people or multiple people participate in a process and, and come together for something. So, um, you know, that's, I guess, uh, what I, uh, kind of a mouthful, but <laughs> that's, that's uh, all right. But yeah, I that's kind of the, the piece about it. So, so you talked about, you know, employees giving back and being, you know, really, sharing with everyone else. Is that a culture that you build inside the, the Children's Museum there? Or is that something that you seek out for people that, you know, looking for employment that you're looking for a certain character that, you know, that are just willing to give or at least are maybe even volunteer outside of outside of the work that they do at the museum? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, the, the culture at the museum, uh, you know, th this type of culture predates my uh, time there. Um, it's always been a tight knit um, group of people um, of folks coming through there. And, and some people were there many, many years. You know, one of our, our uh, leadership employees uh, was there day one um, as a stay at home dad and then became a custodian um, then decided wanted to work, you know, more uh, close to a full-time schedule. So um, became a part of our, our team as our director of administration at the time. And now is, um, heads up all of our exhibits and facilities operations and uh, does, does amazing work. So um, 
but it's, you know, when I, I'll, I'll never forget when I applied for the position, um, I snuck down to the museum just to, to check it out. I hadn't been there um, in many, many years. Um, so I took my two nieces um, with me and, and my mom tagged along as well. Um, and when we, when we walked in the door that day, it was the Friday after Thanksgiving, which is the busiest day of any year for the Children's Museum of Eau Claire. Um, but I walked in and the, the gentleman that I'm speaking about, Phil, um, was there at the front desk. And um, the way he greeted and interacted with my niece was just, it, it was really cool. Um, you know, just uh, um, in, in a matter of seconds was able to, um, you know, get her, get us checked in and all that sort of stuff. And um, we got her talking and she shared where she was from and all sorts of fun stuff. And um, I just thought that was, that was pretty neat um, uh, to be able to, to that quickly relate to um, a kid that you haven't met before. So, um, so that, that was neat. And you could just tell that the, um, the people were special uh, that were in that place. And um, I think I've, I'll be in February there seven years and, over that time just have, um, I've always been fortunate to work with great people at places I've been, but there's just something that's been special about the Children's Museum. I can't exactly, you know, identify it. It's probably a combination of that kind of tight knit um, group of people, uh, um, the way that they um, demonstrate caring for you know, our visitors and the people that we serve, um, that sort of a thing, but just there's good people. And um, it's, uh, we've, you know, it's just been really neat for me to be a part of it is what keeps me, you know, there is, is our people. Um, and, uh, really, you know, I've been really, really impressed by all that they've, they've done. So that culture, I think has long existed. Um, and children's museums are just kind of a fun, you can really make it fun too. Um, and, and we, we've done all sorts of fun stuff as a team, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been kind of a, you know, neat, neat thing for me. And, and again, they all are, you know, just very inspiring in that. So, you know, the, I've been in there, you know, a good handful of times and stuff over the last couple of years, I got a six-year-old son that loves going in there. And I am always impressed by the employees there purely because I mean, they're, are they mix of like, what I usually see is like some high school to college kids that are just kind of doing the things and moving around. That is that kind of a good portion of the, that yeah. I would see as a patron coming in there. Yeah, primarily college. Okay. Um, we probably at any given time have, you know, one one or two high school, you know, maybe a junior senior in high school um, employed as well. Um, yeah, so that pretty much, you know, combination of high school, college kids. But I mean, one of the most impressive things to me with that is that, you know, you can see that there's some pretty high stress situations that can happen in there from time to time, from kids getting out of hand, parents getting loud or kind of doing over there. And I've never seen any of your employees lose their cool. They're always on point. I can only imagine there's some sort of training protocol through all of this stuff. But what it comes down to is just kind of like I'm stressed out watching whatever situation's happening and then watching the employee handle it was just is just almost kind of like I it was it was watching something that I did not know existed. like you can handle this situation like are you have you have you been a teacher for this long like you can handle parents you can handle teachers you can handle screaming and then two minutes later everyone's off just kind of running around again like everything just kind of went fine and it's Mm -hmm. just it's 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 nice to know that you I can go in there where there's I mean what is the capacity what is your general capacity at the old 
you know, oh, four, I think four or 500, uh, sure. 450, 500 people at a time. Yeah. So, I mean, there's times I've, there's probably these are two, 300 people in there when I've been in there before and the control that everyone has and just kind of the understanding and all that kind of stuff is amazing. And to be in that kind of chaotic kind of situation there is, is, is fun. Kids love it. Cause they don't see anything. They're just kind of zoning out, whatever it is, you know, and the parents are just, the parents are the one freaking out more than anybody else. The kids are just having a blast, you know, and that's what it is. But I mean, how much joy for yourself being the type of person you are trying to bring joy to other people when you, do you ever get to sit back like in the, you know, during, in the museum there and just kind of watch things kind of happen and just watch the happiness and watch the giggles and the smiles and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that, we find is we want, we want to bring kids joy. (laughs) That's what play does provides joy. Um, You know, we want them to have a sense of wonder as well in the the museum, you know, the, and the people that um, we're fortunate, we have a a volunteer program. So we have a lot of students come through that. And then uh, we can use that to identify, you know, who is really um, interested or does well with the chaos. (laughs) Um, At the same time, the, the, I continue to be amazed at the the maturity of um, uh, college students that are coming uh, to help us and work with us and, and the passion they end up having for um, museum. You know, a lot of times a, a part-time role, um, you know, you're, you, you're certainly there. You, you know, I think everyone's has the right intentions, right. And, po- and wants to be positive and that sort of thing, but they're also in college. They have other stressors and things to worry about too, but um just to see the the folks develop the uh, relationships that they do and the interest that they take and the people that we serve, um, you know, it's pretty neat. And and um, we we've just always you know seemed to be fortunate to continue to attract um, those types of of people. Um, and yeah, as far as um, sitting back and I, I wish I did more of it to be honest. Um, and um, but but there has been a lot of you know, occasions where um, you just see something that is just really cool and inspiring. Um, so we, we do a, uh, we usually host Joshua's camp and the kiddos that come to that. It's a, a Joshua's camp uh, serves uh, children that are experiencing cancer um, and their families as well. Um, uh, siblings and parents and that sort of thing. So the kids, uh, they do a special dinner for, uh, mom and dad and the kids come down to the museum on that night. Um, and it's great. They have, you know, all sorts of volunteers come with and they have so much fun. Uh, but one, I, one night, I, uh, one of the first years we, we had done that or that I had been a part of those days. Um, there was a, I got to watch a young girl, um, you know, who's sick, um, be able to pump um, in our, our waterworks. Uh, there's a siphon uh, pump uh, that you can use to, to kind of siphon water and uh, was watching her do that. And it, it I mean, you got to push it pretty good. It, it takes some strength um, to do. And I had just commented to one of the volunteers that was with just how neat it was to see her smile when she got it, was able to get it done and pump the water. And, and there's a wheel that, you know, goes with it. And, you know, I just had commented that. And then um, that, that person just said to me, yeah, we didn't, they didn't think that she would actually be able to make it to, camp because she was so sick you know so just those types of moments you know when you come across that it's like wow this is uh really neat to to be a part of this and 
um, to, to see kids experience, you know, joy is, is, um, pretty amazing. I've been able to interact with my own children there and see that, um, and see the importance of play, you know, for him, uh, my, my, uh, three and a half year old, and we have a, a four month old now too, that'll probably be right behind him playing there. But, um, to, to experience it as a parent myself, um, it helps you understand why the work that we do matters. Um, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty neat to see, um, kids and, and people experience joy. So when you initially applied for the job there, were you drawn to the job more for, I mean, you, you said already that you enjoy bringing joy to others. Is it more just bringing joy to others or do you, is it more specifically like kids, like you want to make kids happy because kids happy, a lot of other people are going to be happy around them. Like, what was your, like, what was your main focus or the reason of why you wanted that job in the first place? Yeah, I, you know, I, um, so I started out my career working with boys and girls clubs and was in kind of various roles there um, uh, in that organization, uh, both in uh, this area, but also I went out to Colorado um, for a couple of years as an executive director to help a new boys and girls club open there. And um, uh, had, it was my first time as an executive director um, and, um, you know, had no, I'd, no idea what I was getting into some idea, but you know, a lot of things come up and you see it, see things differently that way. But what I found to enjoy about that type of a role, is really just a bridge um, between a board of directors who makes a lot of important decisions uh, for the the business, you know, of, of a nonprofit, our employee team, uh, staff team, um, and then the people that we serve and, and just trying to keep all those things connected and moving um, is something that I've kind of found to, to enjoy. Um, and to try to, you know, I, I think I kind of coming up in the, the nonprofit world, I saw some things I didn't like about nonprofits that I just didn't feel we had to, to operate that way. Um, you know, and, and, um, just kind of seeking to, to make positive change in, in the nonprofit, um, business model. Um, but kids have always been my, kind of passion. I, I um, started as a junior in high school coaching baseball at Parks and Rec, where I kind of found that passion. I, throughout college, uh, worked in the Parks and Rec playground program out in the community, um, enjoyed that, and um, have done a lot of coaching over the years. And um, just, the, you know, I, I think the, the opportunity to um, impact um, and make a difference in, younger, in a, a person's life at a younger age um, to where they can um, continue to have that type of support uh, until they become an adult, you know, helping them uh, achieve um, kind of that success is, is pretty neat. And um, it's really how we can make, make positive change in our, our world. Uh, in my opinion is working with a lot of children and uh, having more positive, um, you know, role models or, or adults that can impact their lives uh, can help them be successful and ultimately help us as a, uh, society and community, um, you know, be successful. So it was kind of that combination of, of those things that, uh, drew me, uh, to this position. I had always, I'd always had a keen interest on the children's museum. Um, it, um, you know, had, had always seemed like a, a really great organization. And then, uh, after, you know, getting the job, I, you just realize how much bigger, um, the, the, this whole concept of play and what we do with play, how much, how, how really important and big that is in our community. 
um, and helping, you know, uh, convene kids from different backgrounds or different communities. Uh, we've had, you know, children come from Texas playing with a child from Eau Claire, and that's kind of neat. We've seen other kids maybe form a friendship with a child they met playing at the Children's Museum, uh, and that's, you know, really um, uh, neat as well. Um, and our, us being in downtown, we've helped, you know, uh, make a positive impact on the economy. Um, and that's sort of a, a thing as well. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of got into the position because of, you know, uh, really enjoying uh, kids, um, but also that aspect of, of kind of serving as a, a, a bridge, a leader of, you know, different uh, folks kind of working towards one, you know, mission of, of inspiring play or in learning through play. But then I just have realized how much bigger, um, <laughs> um, you know, how, how the, the, the impact and the importance of our work. Um, I've been able to, to realize that uh, on a greater scale than I had um, when I started. Um, and that's been really neat to, to go through that, uh, that whole process and, and learning all about play and, and why it's important. So as a, as a leader yourself there, how easy is it for you to actually like dictate work out? Like you see work that happens that needs to be done and kind of like veer that off into others that need to take care of it. But like you enjoy the work that you do. Like how is it easy? How easy is it for you to take something that you want to do yourself and give it to somebody else because you know what you could do with it and you know, you'd enjoy it, but you know that you have these other things that you have to do. Can you dictate well, or are you still kind of selfish where you want to do some of the fun stuff, or I should say some things that you know that you want to do for yourself? Yeah, that's, a, I think that's probably, you know, one of my biggest challenges as, as a leader is, um, you know, it's certain things you have maybe done or want to do, um, um, you kind of want to step in, but, and I think that's like one of the biggest decisions or things I kind of, um, I'm always trying to anticipate as a leader is when do I maybe lean in and when do I maybe step back and, and trying to kind of uh, approach it from that way. Um, you know, to me, the, there's kind of four different approaches that I always share is um, in leadership with, especially working with people, um, you know, coaching, um, supporting, uh, delegating or directing, and they all kind of have a different, you know, kind of approach, right. Directing is just, I, I need this done. Can you please you know, do it or maybe do it this way? Um, that sort of a thing. I try to use that as, as little as possible. Um, delegating, you know, certainly, um, allowing others to, to have a, a, a role in saying things, um, uh, but also asking, you know, trusting in people to, to help get things done. Um, you know, certainly want to utilize that. Um, I think the, the two though, um, that are most important are coaching and supporting. So uh, I've always, um, you know, just tried to, if, if somebody needs my time, especially on our, our team, I'm there, you know, and that, that, that is, is really, um, really important, um, to, to do. And, and I found, uh, you know, some things too, for, for, we, we serve families. Um, we need to make sure that our employees have time with their families, especially those that are working full time. So, you know, trying to keep their, um, their, them not working, you know, 60 hour weeks, uh, every week, that sort of a thing, but trying to do those types of things, um, uh, you know, for folks is, uh, I've always felt is, is important. Um, 
I think the, you know, the other is um, we've kind of started to, this has always been a process at the museum with decision-making, but we've kind of tried to make it a little more formalized, but we, we call it the advice decision-making process. So, you know, so someone might have a certain decision to make because that's their you know area of focus and their position. Um, but if they're making that decision, they need to involve the input of others um, seeking advice uh, kind of a thing. And um, trying to really, you know, have, um, have that happen with, especially with major, uh, major decisions. Um, and so, and I've utilized that a lot um, this year, uh, really leaning on, um, you know, unfortunately because of the pandemic, we're, we're down to four employees, our, our core full-time employees, um, but really leaning on, on the other three um, when we have a decision to make, what would you do? Um, and it's been really neat to see, um, you know, how, how I think sometimes as a leader, you, um, when, when you kind of are trying to figure out, should I be doing this or someone else doing this? Um, you'll, you hope that you're kind of on the same page, right? Um, and um, by asking some of those questions and uh, kind of starting with that, you know, and asking what would you do? It's amazing how many times I come back and realize we're on the same page, um, you know, or I've been able to with our board um, of directors, uh, we had a, you know, some major decisions to make. And um, I just said, you know, I think this decision really needs to be made by you and I need to step away where so many times I'm involved with our board helping guide them in making decisions. But I said for this particular one, you just have to um, make it. And um, I, 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 you know, being willing to, to give that up um, can be pretty freeing. Um, you're a little nervous, you know, not sure how things are going to play out, but um, it, 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 I always think things work out, have a way of working out uh, if they're meant to or for a reason. And um, so just trying to, you know, with, uh, uh, with people, um, making them feel like they're impactful, um, and being a major part of kind of forming where things are going as an organization. So, uh, we did that, you know, we, we made the decision to reopen, uh, this year. And I remember when I posed it to our leadership team, there was, um, some of us that thought we should stay closed and some of us that thought we should reopen and we had, we did try to reopen. Um, and, um, you know, we just felt that was, we needed to give it that effort. Um, but to have people be a part of making that decision and guiding that decision, you know, at, at the end of the day, it does, you know, a lot of times, um, decisions have to be made. So, um, that's where uh, the tiebreaker, uh, is especially important as a executive director. Um, but uh, I think a lot of times you end up making um, good decisions, solid decisions or better decisions. Um, you know, we, when we made the decision to reopen, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, if we would have, we probably wouldn't have reopened, but um, it, it allowed us to discover more about our business, kind of what makes it tick and, you know, what, uh, where dollars come from and how, it helps us continue on. So um, when it came time to making the decision to close, it was actually pretty obvious to everybody um, uh, at that point, um, unanimous um, to, to 
close our doors for a little while again. So um, I think that's the, you know, just with the decision-making, trying to involve as many people into that process as you can um, is, is really important. And, um, you know, it might mean that you don't get to right where you want to go right away, but eventually you'll get to where you probably need to be. And um, it's a, a really neat process, I think, to, to go through an experience. Having those people around you that you can trust and you can, you can bounce ideas off with and make sure that there's, it's almost a no judgment zone of just kind of like, I agree with you. I don't agree with you. You're not going to butthurt anybody by saying yes or no, or all that kind of stuff. That's a necessity. You need to have those people. If you have nothing but yes, people around you, you're not going to get anything done. Right. And that's right. where, and, and, and a big thing like the museum there, you know, you have to have people who are just kind of very hard nosed on both sides. And hopefully they can start seeing a little bit on each side and find that common ground in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so when it came down to you deciding now you guys are going to be opening a new facility, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, was that ever on the table? Was that ever even a, a twinkle in the, st- in the sky that you may do that at some time? Or is that something that just felt like this is the time to do that now? Yeah. I, you know, when I started the museum, no, I, we have, you know, we're in, in a building downtown. They had, we had just finished the second floor remodeling and opening of it. Um, and, um, we grew, um, immensely, you know, in, in five years, our uh, membership doubled, our attendance, uh, grew from 58,000 a year to, um, 80,000. And, um, we, we tried to expand even more into some spaces on our second floor. Uh, you know, we moved our, our storage off site and, um, we got to a point as an organization where we, we had to really, we were going through some strategic planning and we just asked the question, what should the museum look like in the next five to 10 years? And as we started to, to talk about that, um, we knew we had some things that we, we needed to address. Our exhibits were aging on both the first floor and our, our water exhibit. Um, we were, you know, at, at capacity or um, have, had grown rather um, quickly. And then um, it, it kind of quickly, did, you know, we, we said we could look at the next five to 10 years, but we maybe also need to think about further out as we started to think about remodeling our space or trying to expand, you know, whether we would purchase a building next to us, um, you know, have to do some demo and um, incorporate into our new building. And as we looked at that, we, we just said, we have to kind of think further out um, because we could continue spending dollars to try to make a building work to be a children's museum that wasn't meant to be a children's museum. It was meant to be a department store. And it did serve us for a long time. And it was an amazing building for us to start in. Um, but we you know, kind of quickly started to realize that we needed to look at something different. Um, and at the same time, as we were exploring this, uh, we were approached by the Family Resource Center um, about ways to partner together. And we also had been talking with the Oakley Area School District about expanding our educational programming with them to year round. Um, we do summer camps right now, but we're going to be opening a, a preschool in addition to those summer camps in the new space in partnership with the, the school district. Uh, and then the Family Resource Center is going to relocate and together we'll be in the new building. So as those conversations kind of started to happen too, um, everything just kind of um, you know, bubbled up together, if, if you will. And um, as we were continuing to go through our planning, 
looking at the cost of what it was going to take to remodel our building versus um, building new, um, you know, there was a difference there, but it, we, we knew that we could build a building to be a children's museum, um, but continuing to try to make a building a children's museum um, with what, how we had grown and, and where we had gotten to uh, was proving to be pretty difficult. And other things that were important, you know, parking is lacking. We don't have parking. Um, we will in the new space. Uh, we'll be right next to a parking ramp. So that'll be great. Um, and we'll have spaces dedicated, uh, family-friendly parking dedicated for our visitors. Um, the aesthetics of, of our museum, uh, we, you know, very little natural light coming in. Um, and we also were, we didn't have any outdoor space, exhibit space. So we wanted to add that as well. And then, um, safety is a, a really important thing too. And, and so we're able to design a building that will be much more safe, um, for us as far as operations. So our, all of our leadership, um, staff employees, uh, their offices will be located right in proximity to our front desk to support our part-time employees and, and um, staff. Um, right now we're kind of in the furthest where our administrative offices are compared to our front desk are, you know, the furthest away from each other. <laughs> and so with certain situations that arise when you're serving children, um, that wasn't the most safe. And also, you know, people coming into our building off of the street, uh, there were some situations outside of our building and people coming in that, um, you know, were concerning to us over the years. Um, and so now we'll be able to have a little bit more safe of a uh, entranceway and, and that sort of thing. We also have expanded the entrance so that people aren't necessarily, you know, waiting outside. If we have a line to get in the building, um, they'll be able to, to wait more comfortably um, in our, our lobby area, which will be um, good as well. So, um, but yeah, when I, you know, when I started, I'd never imagined seven years from then we'd be, you know, raising money to build a new building. Um, but it's been neat to kind of be a part of a, a growing stage for the organization and, you know, to help hopefully form, um, its future for the next 30 years or so or more. Um, and, um, our team is, um, just working diligently and as hard as we can to make that a reality in uh, 2022. How many people do you have on your team? They're We're really down kinda... to four. To uh, sorry, I should say four and five. We, we have a part-time um, custodian and, and he's, you know, with, with all the work that we're having to do to uh, with selling our building and, uh, we're, we're working right now on vacating it by the end of January as that closes. And there is just an amazing amount of, of things that need to happen. So um, I can only imagine yeah. really that's, that's, that's a lot of things in there. And so it's yeah. going to take some work, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, you know, we were, uh, you know, four full time and then um, one real part-time uh, employee at the, at this time. And um, yeah, we, we were, um, our FTE is about 3.5 total. Um, even though we have four people full-time working, we're all um, uh, cut back just a little bit uh, working at 90% um, sure. time. So, um, but the, um, we, you know, we started the year with an FTE of I think 9.6. So that's a pretty big uh, reduction and change. Um, but it, unfortunately it was something we absolutely had to do. So. You had to do, you're willing to do it because you loved your job. You want to keep going. You saw a future 
you saw where things were going. So that was like, all right, we're going to work through this hard time to get to the good time that goes along with that. Right. Are, are you guys part of, are you guys a sole ent- entity or are you part of like a children's museum kind of network? Yeah, we're our own entity, um, you know, independent um, 501c3 uh, nonprofit governed by a local board of directors, but we are members of what's called the association of children's museums. Okay. And uh, I actually have the honor of serving on our, uh, board of directors. We just had a board meeting today uh, for that association and um, they do an, an amazing job to help provide best practices. Um, the, you know, the, the connection to other children's museums is just amazing throughout the pandemic. They every week uh, calls with executive director calls, you know, facility exhibit calls, uh, depending on what your role is in the organization, they have weekly calls to share best practices and, um, I've gotten to know so many more um, executive directors throughout the country because of this, these calls happening and, you know, people share something and someone says, Oh, I need some more in- input on that. Um, and, you know, we had like challenges so we could, you know, help share our experience and um, how to approach this or that. And that's, that's been great. Um, and we also are part of a network of children's museums in Wisconsin uh, all the children's museums, we also meet weekly. Um, the, the executive directors do uh, have since the start of the pandemic. And um, we are growing closer as a, a community as well, which is great. Uh, having that support has been you know, critical for everything we've been um, dealing with since, uh, since uh, the pandemic started. So are there, I mean, with all the people that you've talked to, I mean, essentially around the United States, are there any children's museums even open right now or is everything shut yeah. down? There are. There is. Okay. Actually, the data I just saw today, 57% are open. Oh, wow. Um, of that number, I don't know, I'd probably say um, everyone is on a time or on a, you know, max or a, a capacity uh, restriction with attendance, but um some are just doing like programming. Uh, they're not, you know, open to general public per se. So, uh, and then the, the remaining are, are closed uh, or have been closed. Sure. Um, and there's, there's quite a few that have actually announced closure through 2021 or into 2021 right away. Um, so our, our industry is, um, I think the numbers I saw today, 20, the average, um, uh, uh, revenue or um, where where the, where our industry is at uh, revenue uh, in 2020 compared to the previous year, running at about 28% of uh, the previous year's rent revenue. And I just, um, I don't know how anyone is doing that. <laughs> oh, sure. um, you know, we cut our, we were able to buy the, we we're from March, April, May, somewhere in there, we were able to basically by the end of the year, realize a 20, 21% savings in expenses. But um, I just don't know how uh, for a, a longer period of time, I mean, it's going to be at least another six months to a year where our, our field of children's museums feels the impact of this. Um, so I, I don't know how much longer folks are going to be able to, to hang in there with that. Um, you know, basically for us, it was financially better to, not be open. We lost um, thirty-seven thousand dollars in the month of July trying to to be open. So, um, so yeah, that's. Um, but I, I I will say we you know we've had some good support come from 
um, the CARES Act. Uh, there was also funding the state of Wisconsin had provided, um, which has been good. Um, you know, and us, we are, it, it has allowed us having that support is allowing us to actually have a, a temporary space um, while we're planning and building the new museum. You know, being that we have to vacate <clears throat> uh, because we sold our building the end of January, we're going to be going into um, the Pablo Center, um, specifically working with Visit Eau Claire, who has about a 2,500 square foot experience center uh, in the corner of, of that uh, building. Um, and uh, we, we've entered a partnership with them. So we'll be there until we um, go into our new space and we'll have about three different exhibit areas. Primarily, we're looking to really do a programming throughout out of that space and then be able to host some small family friendly events that we do. Um, but it also allows us to maintain a presence. So we're looking at, you know, um, maybe springtime of, of that space being able to open, depending on where things are at with the virus and, and vaccine rollout. Um, but it's, it'll be nice to have something to have people to, to still stay connected to the Children's Museum in that way. Um, but we, the only reason we can do it is, you know, we're, we're basically, um, if we had held onto our building, the, the carrying costs of doing that, um, versus the cost of us being in this temporary space, um, the temporary space is, um, 25% of the cost of what it would have been to stay in the, the museum. So we're just trying to be very, very smart, uh, financially at this time, because we know it's going to be at least 2022 before we're even close to any, um, semblance of, of normal operation and probably into 2022 at this point. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, we're all learning amazing things through all of this, you know, just what we could do. We didn't know what we could do. There's things that we, we, we figured out how to do. And we're just like, I, I don't even know how this even came up, but we've had to all, so many people has forced yourself in there. Like yourself, for example, like you're networking with all of these other children's museum, the executive directors, all that kind of stuff, people you've never met before. And all of a sudden you're big, having a great bond. And now this is an opportunity. I mean, this is where you, you find the, the silver lining, in all of this, where all of a sudden you have now these resources where if you have an issue or if you have trouble, you can reach out to all these people and bam, you could have an answer in an hour compared to the, you trying to figure it out all by yourself. Like, so how do you feel that the biggest benefit for yourself, the children's museum and everything that goes on with that, that you've learned for the last 10 months through this pandemic, how to better yourself into 2022. You know, I, um, i our board president, um, um, for um, the last year um, with Shara Gurney. She's uh, at RC and I'll I give a little nod to her because right away at the beginning of this, she shared something that just proved to be so impactful. And she said, you just got to focus on the here and now. They, um, I think at RCU, they had gone through kind of that, you know, leading through crisis or some sort of a, a training. And, and one of the things that stuck out to her was just focusing on the here and now. And um, that, um has, has proven to really make a difference in, in everything we've um, been dealing with. Um, you know, it, it, we, we said, let's try to reopen. Let's first try to figure out how we can still serve the community. So we, we tried that. Well, that didn't work. How are we now, how are we going to survive now? How are we going to make sure that when this does get better, we are going to be around um, and financially can stay around. Um, 
and so we really, you know, spent the last, you know, half of, or not half, but quarter of, of last year in that mode. And um, we are in a great financial position right now. Um, and we think we'll continue to be well into 2022. Um, um, so that, uh, you know, for us is, feels really good. We were fortunate because we were debt-free going into this, um, that, that helped, you know, um, but also, um, just being very careful with our, our spending. Um, so that, that's, um, you know, kind of been the focus and, uh, we ended up the year in a, a really good spot. I think, uh, we had thought our losses would be, um, over a hundred thousand dollars, um, last, even with all the changes we made, and I think we're going to end up somewhere around uh, under $50,000. Um, this year, we had gone into the year planning for losses of about $120,000 uh, with the PPP that's been approved now uh, and signed into law. Uh, we're looking at probably, again, at now a budgeted loss somewhere of $50,000. Um, that's a lot easier to absorb. Back in April, May, June, July, and looking at things, you know, we were kind of preparing for like $250,000 loss, uh, or more. Um, and, uh, so things have gotten a little bit better, you know, that way for us and, and just focusing on the, the here and now, um, has been, um, you know, really important, um, uh, you know, to do, um, yeah, it's probably, you know, the biggest thing that, that I could share in that, that regard. You know what? I, I know that there is a lot of people in Eau Claire, just like you know, I'm sure you got many phone calls, emails, text messages, all the things of how sad people were initially when they heard that the, the museum, the, the Children's Museum was closing and heard that it was closing for good. And, you know, there was no plan initially from there. There's just there was there was disappointment because it's been around for so long here in Eau Claire. But I already know the joy that I've talked to people about knowing that there is something coming. It is still another year away and it's going to be a long road for you. But you already just by listening to your voice, listening about how you're talking about it, like you can see the future already and you're, 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 you're excited about it. And I know that the city of Claire, the Chippewa Valley is going to embrace all of that purely because of how much enjoyment they had at the old one. They're just be myself included, excited to get to the new one and see what's new, see what's fresh, all of the good things with you. So I applaud you, uh, Michael, and I appreciate everything that you've done to, uh, to help out Eau Claire and the Chippewa Valley and everything that you do for them. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. We're, we're going to need that support. You know, we, we've got to uh, raise uh, some dollars and, and we're well on our way and uh, doing very well. Um, all things considered in that area, but still have, have a, a little bit of a ways to go. And, uh, but yeah, we're seeing um, the, the community really step up already and we feel that that will just continue. And um as long as we can make that happen, you know, we'll, we'll have a children's museum again in 2022. That's wonderful to hear. Michael, that is our time there, my friend. That was fantastic. Thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate you having uh, one more interview today, one more yeah. Zoom call, all the good things with that. Hopefully you get some family time with your kids now for the rest of the evening, all that stuff. But you have yourself a wonderful evening and you take care. Absolutely. Thank you.